This is Blake Seven in Character, the podcast that travels at Standard by Five to seek out elements from the classic TV show. We'll be taking a look at the one-off characters and occasionally the not-so-one-offs, who they are, what we think, the actor's backstory, and anything that occurs to us as we waffle away. So, stand by to teleport, but this is going to be spoiler-heavy, so it's advisable that you watch the episode first. Hello and welcome to episode 24, and I'm thinking this is the shortest screen time of any of our characters, Joban. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, um, this is this is a weird one because uh, you said we were doing Joban, so I thought I'll, I'll settle down, watch it, and one, you know, she's sort of had the time for him wanted to watch it as well, so I put it on. I'm gonna say, oh, he's gone. Bugger. Mm. <laughs> so we watched the episode anyway. This this story, hostage. You know, before doing the podcast, if anybody said to me, what happens in uh, Blake Seven's episode Hostage? I, I would say uh, there's a bit at the end with Travis and Villa and there's mutoids in it and Blake's uncle's in it and Blake fancies his cousin. And that's it. That, that, that That's the sum total of my memories of this episode. It is a yeah. It is one of those episodes. We seem to cover these a lot. Perhaps they're all like it. I don't know. Perhaps perhaps they're all like it. But we cover them, and where you know the name, and like you say, you know a few little bits. Like to me, hostage. And you, I've said this before, and you know it. To me, hostage is the Travis. The word. The word. <laughs> I love that. The word is Travis. Scene. Yes. The word is Travis. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. So to me, that's hostage. And I vaguely remember there was sort of a Leela character in it that didn't do a lot. And there was some old wild man. He didn't do a lot. And then, oh, Crimos. And I didn't, I didn't have oh, good Oh, Crimos, not Mutoids. Yeah. That's what I meant, Crimos, yeah. yeah. Well, Mutoids are in it. The, the yeah, I've forgotten that. <laughs> yeah. The Blue Rinse Brigade Mutoids, yes, they're in it. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's one of those strange ones, a bit like... Um, what was the other one we did? Volcano. We couldn't remember mm. much about Traitor. Um, where you you know you've seen it, and you and you're thinking what? But it was good because it meant it was a surprise watching it. And yeah. um, I I I pretty much enjoyed the episode. It the last ten minutes just descends into an utter shambles. And while we was watching it, Anne was sort of saying, "Well, I I enjoyed it up to now. This has just become stupid." And I was like, "Yeah, okay. I I can't I can't. You know what? I just." pick away at it i can't i can't offer any uh justifications for this but she did she enjoyed travis i mean that's good she's getting to like travis mark too that's good to hear i yeah. didn't get right to the end that the furthest you know? i've no the furthest i've ever got into this episode since we've been doing this podcast is when i was researching for the mutoid uh, episode yeah. so yeah. so i knew i knew about this bit at the beginning and i knew there's a bit about halfway through where serverland is going off to the planet and Joban calls her back and she says to the mutoid, ignore it, doesn't she? But that's yeah. the furthest that I've ever got into this. Yeah, well, like I say, we, we watched it all and I, I'd forgotten how little or how late in the episode them getting to the planet is. There's quite that lengthy battle at the beginning, which I've totally forgotten about, mm. um, which is you know, it's quite a nice little sequence. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I'd sort of remembered them going to the planet straight away. So that was a quite quite a nice little uh, surprise, but it's definitely one of those episodes that peters out. They run out a story, mm. 
and then just roll about in the mud for the last 20 minutes. And it is odd. I mean, yeah, it's it's called Hostage, and uh, but it takes a quite a while for that plot line to actually get started. But we're going to save that because we're going to do yeah. Ashton um, and, and talk about um, all of the hostage situation then. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, this, this story written by Alan Pryor, okay, um, yep. he, he also did Horizon, which is another story. I know that's set on a jungle planet and there's some sort of like primitive society there and Blake and Villa get their tops off. That's all I remember about yeah, Horizon. The topless episode. The topless episode. <laughs> uh, he did another one that we haven't uh, got to yet, uh, The Keeper. All right. Yeah, see, all all forgettable episodes, yes, aren't they? Yeah. I was always amazed that the Blake Seven Appreciation Society called themselves after Horizon. Yes, and yeah. I thought, what what is in that episode that they, out of all the others, they went, you know what, that's good. Yeah, I wonder what it was. Cygnus Alpha. I mean, you know, Ian last yeah. week was saying about you know uh, why he called his company Cygnus Alpha. It, it does sound science fictiony, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, like the the planet in this this one, X Bar. That's that's better than calling something Horizon. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, forgettable. Alan Pryor, he did mm. four stories. You can all, well, five if you include this one, that they are forgettable apart from one. Okay. So right. he did this one, Hostage. He did Horizon. He did The Keeper. He did Volcano. Right. And the last yeah. one would be forgettable if it wasn't so bloody awful. And that's Animals. <sighs> <laughs> I think any Blake Seven fan, if you say Blake Seven animals, yeah. that that side that's comes what you out. Get. Yeah. <laughs> because he wasn't really a science fiction writer. That's the only science fiction he's he's ever written. He he mainly yeah. wrote for like Coronation Street and Zed Cars and The Sweeney and Onedian Line I, and these sort yeah. of things. Well, I I wonder if he's he's almost like an in-house writer. So he's there. He's a steady pair of hands. He'll give you something that's filmable. You don't have to put too much effort in. I mean, they used to have a lot of that on Doctor Who. Um, because, again, it's with the BBC at this point, the way they they organise series is mad. I mean, no no one in their right mind would, would organise things the way they organised it then. So you had a script editor and it was his job to get writers in and the writers would have to do like a one or two page pitch and then they would work with them. So the the script editors used to build up a pool of writers that they could trust, mm. not necessarily the best writers, not necessarily the ones that will give you the most, but the ones that they know that they're not going to have a lot of grief chasing them up yeah. or they're not going to have to amend. Yeah, dependable, possibly quite bland, but gets the job done. And the the, the nature at the BBC at that time was very much a, uh, there's a classic interview with a, a producer, and I, I I can't remember who it was, but they and they, they said, "What's your what was your motivation on doing this?" And it was like, so as we had something to fill that slot, hmm. might have been Terence Sticks even, and that was that was the overriding thing that get something down that we can film, yeah. and it could be that Alan Pryor is a a very dependable hits deadlines type writer. Yeah, we need a script in three weeks, go, yeah. and he does. Yeah, yeah. Whereas they they could give it to a you know, a Terry Nation or a Robert Holmes or, a, you know, some someone that's deemed a great writer. and But it could be a lot of hassle for them. Mm. So they've got to constantly, you know, chivvy them up or or change things. or So, it, yeah, it, it, it could be that it's just that he's, he's a safe pair of hands to yeah. give a script to. You're never going to get anything 
groundbreaking, but then they weren't really aiming for that. I don't think. No. I think we're we're looking back on we're looking back on this with modern eyes. Mm. Whereas I think we we really and it, this is no this is no insult, but we really should be looking back on thinking these as as soaps. Yes. As we as you would view a soap now, you wouldn't. It was just an ongoing story to get something out. You would watch it, and that's pretty much what it was. No, I don't think I don't think people want. There wasn't the sort of the the water cooler moments where was there no with the fandom didn't really stuff. exist yeah. at this point no, did yeah it? it was it was a it wasn't aimed at fandom no. was it? it was aimed at, at the the average you know person in the street your wogan viewer your mm. your radio four listener um yeah they they weren't thinking that 30 years down the road 40 years down the road uh people will be talking about this on podcasts <laughs> All right. Well, let's let, let's get started, and it starts again with that series of space scenes. Yeah, I, I, I keep yeah. getting surprised every time I see these. I thought maybe that was just a one-off in the early days, but here we are. We're in um, season two, and they're still using yeah. it. Still and using it, the space scenes. Yeah. Yeah, and it still ends with that beauty shot of the Liberator. Yeah, oh, it's worth it for that. Which it? makes you sigh every time as well. Yeah, and we go inside, and it's quite rare. This there's a rare moment of quiet on the flight deck. Um, Blake's just wandering around, and you've got uh, Villa and Avon at the picnic table there, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, the, the never-seen-before, never-seen-again picnic table. Yeah, and, and Avon's poking at some circuitry with the Shepscope. Quiet, isn't it? Yes. Information. Forward sensors indicate Federation pursuit ships. Send strategy three immediate operation. Confirmed. Battle stations. Give me pairing and number of hostiles. Battle computers will specify three seconds. Activate the force wall. Activated. What's happening? Pursuit ship coming in. Get us moving. Sensors indicate two hostiles bearing one, three, seven. He's doing something important, no doubt. And Villa's just watching him. Again, nice, nice that it sort of Villa's spending his off time with Avon. Yeah. They're not really you know, nattering at all. I, no, I, I, I did comfy. wonder. Yeah, I did wonder. Oh. I mean, how many rooms are there in the Liberator? Because you would have thought, wouldn't Avon have been fiddling with this in some sort of like workshop or in his room? Why is he fiddling with this bit of circuitry on the flight deck? And then it came to me when I was watching later on. I was thinking, this is an odd thing to be doing. But later on, Villa says, when are you going to fix the detector yeah. shield? Is this the detector shield that he's trying it to could, fix? That's why he's doing be. it on the uh, on the flight deck. Also, for all his protestations, Avon likes having witnesses, doesn't he? He likes people to witness what he's doing. True. I think true. he likes the 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 fact that people are taking an interest. Yeah, it's the aren't you I know. clever, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You can't do this, Villa, but look at me. I'm poking this uh, old circuit board from a radio with the Shepscope. With the Shepscope. It, yeah, it's. Uh, I think he's he needs an audience. I don't think Avon would work very well. On his own? No. Because there's no show. It is showing off, isn't it? Because, you know, two pursuit ships come along and Avon, in that very Avon way, gets up and goes across to the communicator and presses it and and orders battle stations. He didn't have to do it in that melodramatic way, but that's the Avon way. It's the Avon way, yeah. It's the the melodramatic 
uh, sort of action drama way, isn't it? Mm. It's uh, also I, I did think it funny that he announces Battle Station. It's like you've got a crew of six people and four of them are in that room. <laughs> you, you know. Yeah. It's almost the red dwarf bit, isn't it? Where they you know, go to red alert, where we'd have to change the light bulb. It's almost to that level of, <laughs> you know, th- there's almost no point having red alert on this ship. It's not, it's not the Enterprise. No, it, we, we were talking about it earlier, wasn't, uh, weren't we? In an earlier episode, when they they deduced that Callie is the one that's been fiddling around yeah. with it. But you haven't got a crew of a hundred people. It's not hard to work out. You know where yeah, each person is. Uh... Yeah, it's not it's not difficult. You should have come to that conclusion a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. But they go through ev- evasive manoeuvres to get away from these two ships, and we get much in the way of angle poise lamp action from Jenna. You don't very yes. often see the angle poise lamps working think, like I that, I think it's you? because it looks so silly, doesn't it? It, doesn't, it does. I yeah. mean, it, I, I did like also that they say uh, evasive manoeuvres now, and then it shows the Liberator just doing a slight downwards turn to the left or the right (laughs) yeah that's not that's not very evasive no i always remember roger murray leach he was saying about the angle poise lamps at that time they were quite futuristic at that time and were quite expensive and that's why they used them it's like when um uh arc in space on doctor who they use bubble wrap because this was a new material now it's just absolutely everywhere and it's quite laughable you know? Yeah, well, I, I, whenever I see the Liberator um, angle poise lamp controls, I think I'd love to have them because I could use them for the arms on my full-size crow from Mystery Science Theatre. Because <laughs> you just can't get this sort of angle poise anymore, can you? No. Sort of, and that, they're so kitsch. Yeah, and, and therefore expensive. This, yeah. is the, 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 this is the trouble with trying to buy up retro stuff. Everybody wants retro now. Once upon a time, you couldn't give it away. Now, you know, it's uh, very collectible. Yeah. Um, two more pursuits ships arrive, and then four more on top of that. Does it bother you um, that um, that small amount of pursuit ships is a threat to the Liberator? Because it always bothers me. Because I mean, a lot of this we'll talk about on the Liberator episode. But we, we you and I believe that the the pursuit ships are quite small in yeah. relation to the Liberator. So and and we find out in a story that we haven't covered yet that the 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 safest that they can go without uh, pursuit ships being a, a threat to the Liberator is three. Um, does that does that niggle you that such a small amount is that much of a threat? Well, I what while well, watching this, I I I sort of had similar thoughts, and I was thinking the Liberator, in especially in this little battle, puts up a pitiful showing. Hmm. I mean, utterly rubbish. Because, all right, we find out you end up with 20 pursuit ships. But, yeah, you're right. At the time, there's three, and there's a, and they're just in front of them. And they say, let's go to top speed, and let's do this. And that sort of, and they don't really fire back. We know the Liberator's firepower is better than a pursuit ship. Yep. Why, why have they not got Villa or someone saying, every time you've got one in your sights, blow it to bits? It's, you know, it's the fastest, yeah. most powerful ship that yeah, anyone's and, ever encountered and he just and this, sits this, there and takes it yeah this guy this um this uh, space commander whatever he is um he is a space commander and he's he wearing is. travis's uniform yeah. cast off um he he does really well he uh, again without the hero exemption card he would have won this battle yes you know so he's he's done really well and they they fire a few um plasma bolts at the liberator and almost disable it completely yeah, the, and then I was thinking, is it because 
no matter how good this ship is, the crew are a bunch of incompetents. And then I thought, you know, how these sort of train of thoughts. And then I thought, is that clever writing? These are not military people. These are not trained pilots. Well, they're civilians, aren't they? Yeah, they're civilians. So it's it's almost like if you had like five people you plucked out with a staff of Tesco's and put them in a battleship, <laughs> it probably wouldn't go so well. And I thought this could be really clever, or I'm just justifying <laughs> the script. But either I, way, it works for me. It does work. It does yeah. work. Changing course, Delta One, vector two nine. Missed. Increase speed to standard by ten. Confirmed. Speed increased to standard by ten. Blake, look. Two more pursuit ships. Bearing one seven five. Distance. Four hundred spatials and closing. We're turning into them. I can see that. Compensating zero nine five. Increase speed to standard by twelve. Confirmed. Plasma boats launched and running. They're well off target. No threat. Target. Where the hell did that one come from? Same forward vision. Four more. Bearing two seven zero. Kelly. Four hundred spatials and closing. Blake, we're running out of room to manoeuvre. We're working to a pattern. Send another battle computers ready to project all enemy positions. Affirmative computers ready. Blake, there's a mass of ionized particles, vector three nine. If we can fly into it, it could confuse their scanners for just long enough. Aiden might be right. Tangent 18, go for Blake, it. At this speed, even the smallest particle. Hate it, Jenna, full thrust. Tangent 18, full burst is on. Avon says to fly through the handy cloud of ionized particles. Yeah. That, that, that I... they've just popped along by. Well, this is a this is a, a a sci-fi trope at this point, isn't it? That the you know the let's go into the Mutara Nebula, let's do mm. where you go in somewhere and hide, or you and it's I suppose it's the equivalent of the submarine drama, but this is before Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan sort yes. of added it to the the, the Star Trek uh, sort of lexicon of how you get out of things by hiding in a nebula. Um, I must admit, when they show it on the screen, I thought, yeah, I wouldn't drive into it. Um, Effects-wise, things are variable yeah. here. I mean, yeah, that nebula or whatever it is, it looks like pink semolina when you first see it, and I'm sure it was. You know? And do you think this? Because I, I was thinking again when when we I've said about the like the last fifteen minutes of this episode, just it appears as if they made it up on location. Do you think that this was a a, a, a supremely running short episode, and this whole battle is has been tacked onto the script? Well, Alan Pryor, as I say, I mean this is Blake Seven. Those five episodes are the only ones he ever wrote that were science fiction. So this might actually be a Chris Boucher edition because yeah. it was underrunning. Because this doesn't, yeah, it yeah, doesn't I, tie I, in at all. It, does it doesn't. It, it doesn't. No, no. And to have another space commander there and mutoids and things like this, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Chris Boucher. Because this this whole sequence could have been an episode in itself. They could have fleshed this out. It could have been a nice sort of almost submarine style. Yeah, run silent, run deep. Yeah, type yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. You could, but it's sort of boom, 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 boom over, and then then we're on to the 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 hostage part. Mm. Yeah. So I I thought mm, this this seem this seems I won't say it's padding because it's it's quite nice. It's quite a good sequence, but it does it has that sniff of of padding, doesn't it? That this has been. This is fleshing out something that either didn't work or... Yeah. It, do, it doesn't feel like... If you were writing this script yourself, you wouldn't break it into these 
sort of three acts that it's got. It's definitely got three acts, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. 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 I'll tell you what is surprising in this in this bit is what, once they've gone in that pink semolina, as I say, I haven't watched this episode for a very long time. It wasn't until I uh, looked at it for the Mutoys thing. There are effect shots in here, this red tinted stuff that I do recognise, but from other stories, like where you see the Liberator flying along and it's tinted red, I'm sure that's in uh, Aftermath. Um, you know, when you're seeing the battle yeah. of uh, Star One. And it's like, ooh, I know this, but it's from a different story. But but this is yeah. the origin of it. It's it's stock footage that they use later. Yeah, I wonder if it's ever appeared, whether it's stock footage at this point, and it has appeared in a previous episode. Because it did all the, all the effects shots in this. In fact, it's what made me think that it was in a, a late edition, is it's almost like, what have we got that we could make a sequence out of? Yeah. It's like when they say there's 20 pursuit ships and I actually sort of said out loud to Anne, yeah, we won't be seeing them. <laughs> no. Because, yeah, you know they haven't got a shot with 20 pursuit ships in. They haven't got 20 pursuit ships. Um, so, I, yeah, it it'd be interesting whether that footage was actually filmed for this. Yeah. It seems almost like the footage is too good to be filmed for this. That sounds awful. Well, no, I, disparaging I, I, on this I think episode, some but, of the effects yeah. in the, in this battle are specially done and they are atrocious. Yeah. You've got, you've got pursuit ships wobbling on wires because yeah. you need three of them. I quite to enjoy, show. Yeah. Mm. I quite enjoyed that. Cause that's like, no. yeah, but you're a goodies fan. That's like something yeah, that's from the goodies. True, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. They, as I say, the effects are, are variable. Um, you do get some nice views of the pursuit ship. It doesn't look red at all, though. Does no, it, when, when, when this bit coming up now, where you know they've they've lost the pursuit ships, and then you zoom in on you know this space commander's uh, pursuit ship, yeah. and it's just the photography. It doesn't it doesn't look like the red oxide color, no, not at all, or, or the deep red brown. It's it's almost like a fleshy tan color. I mean, I know that's just yeah. the processing or the or, or the photography, but yeah, it looks very strange. It shows you you can't trust film. No. But this guy, th th this other space commander, I don't know. I mean, the only other space commander is Travis. So shall we call him Perkins? Yeah, Perkins, that's a good name. Because he looks like a Perkins as well. He does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we've got Travis and we've got P Space Commander Travis and Space Commander Perkins. So here we are. We've got Perkins, all right? As I say, he's dressed exactly the same as Travis, except he's got a lovely silver belt. Yes, um, and the, again, the lighting makes his shiny black uniform look almost gunmetal grey, mm, which it isn't. Mm. Um, which sort of, again, you could go, oh, it's just the lighting, or you go, oh, it, that's nice. It makes it look like he's actually not just wearing one of Travis's old ones. Mm, yeah, true, true. Um, he, yeah, he's got, as you said earlier, he's got two of the season two, the blonde variant mutoids yes. with him. Yeah. Has she picked us up yet? No, Commander. Good. Our detector shield's working. Give me her exact position in three minutes at present speed. Mark. Computer runner. Commander, to be flotilla. Grid reference 1073 Delta in two minutes, 23 seconds. Mark. Attack in sections. Alpha section leads. 13 seconds between waves. Speed. Time distort 10. Now we'll see what the Liberator is made of. Two minutes. She won't get away a second time. The uh, the blue rinse mutoids. Yeah, yeah. With, with with very silvery faces. I can't remember noticing this when I did the mutoid thing, but yeah, they've definitely got silver makeup on their faces, haven't yes. they? Yeah. yeah, which I don't remember um, Glynis Barber having. No, I mean, no, she, she didn't. She was just yeah, very pale. I, she wasn't silver. Yeah, 
Mm. Um, and he's very sure of himself, this guy. I mean, he, he, he's swaggering around using that communications device like it's a swagger stick or something. And can I say, yeah. that's a very dodgy-looking communications device. I don't know if he got that from Ann Summers or what, but... Um, yeah, yeah it's bit, it that, reminded me of the um, Anthony Ainley tissue compression mm. eliminator. <laughs> and I, no, I, I was going to check and go, I'm going to try and find out. Perhaps they just use the same... It was the same... Uh, you Donor know, part, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and I, in this, I mean, when you first see him, um, th- this is when we've got some very dire Liberator on wire shots as well as yeah. um, as the pursuit ships. But something I th- I think it was in Volcano. I was saying about on Serverland's command ship. It, it, she's got like a proper ejector seat there with, with yellow seats. I hadn't really spotted, but these are like aircraft ejector seats here that he sits in and the mutoids are in with some sort of like brown cushions but yeah, uh, yeah they're I, proper ejector I think it seats must be, yeah i think it must be just that the bbc had a few you know sci-fi seats in stock mm, mm. um i suppose it, I mean, the question is where did they get them because it could be that they've appeared in other uh programs or you know itc stuff or something mm, like that mm. Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, they bought lots of Century 21 stuff, yeah. you know, UFO, you know, computer consoles turn up all the time in Doctor Who. It could be that this is from uh, one of the Shadow Craft or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, um, it, it again, and it, not not being disparaging, but some of the stuff looks too good to be made for the show. Yes. I tell, I tell you something that was made for the show and it doesn't look good is that awful on-screen computer countdown graphic yeah who's filming that I don't... who's filming that shot of the liberator with the the countdown yeah. on? <laughs> someone is going side it's a sideways yeah. shot of the liberator and, and yeah. whoever's filming it is going directly towards them yeah just just shoot them i mean if you're if you're that close that you can film it in nice detail just shoot shoot them, them. <laughs> crash into them do something yeah yeah yeah, and, and the count of pursuit ships then reaches 20. Federation pursuit ships registering on forward detectors, now number 20. 20? Oh, no. Activate force wall 360, energy reserves. Switched in. Activated. Zen, relative position. Liberator is centred on all flight paths. What course? Maintain course, increase speed to standard by 10. Zen, can we withstand an attack of this magnitude? No information. Thank you, that's very helpful. 20 yeah i think it's the most we ever i think it's the most ever now of course there's no way you're ever going to see on screen 20 pursuit ships so we've gone back to the p-bulb affair haven't we yeah they couldn't even afford 20 i was going to say they they, they couldn't even have 20 i think you got about eight or nine yes at at least they didn't do like they did in um doctor who earthshock when they wanted lots of segments so they used the same shot and did split screen right and it was awful because they walk into each other um, at least they didn't do that because I thought, oh, I wonder if they'll do a like a, they'll have a shot of three and they'll just have it the same shot but on screen several times. What, like Daleks going through a door, coming yeah, around and going uh, back out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, to try and bolster it up. But yeah, they they go to that yeah the 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 P bulb yeah shot and i don't and I thought, like it i thought are they going to show 20 they get no they don't even have 20 of those no, i don't like it and i tell I, I tell you what i don't like as well i don't know if you feel the same but it, it irks me when you keep seeing the liberator and from shot to shot the globe's not turned on sometimes yeah. the green globe is glowing and sometimes it's they, they've either turned it off or that bit of filming the blow bulb had blown 
But uh, yeah, yeah, that niggles well, me. Well, it's whatever stock footage shot it they is. had in that position. I mean, to the point where I think we've mentioned before that the, the continuity of the Liberator is shocking. So sometimes they'll use a shot that makes it look very clean and sometimes mm. they'll use a shot that's dirty and they'll, they'll be orbiting a planet that looks like one planet and then they'll see a shot later on that's a different planet. Yeah, uh, yeah so it's whatever they had handy. Um, I, I, it's a shame, really, they didn't have the budget or the inclination to do all new effects footage per episode. Mm. Because that, I think that would have been lovely, but I, you, you understand the the economics of it. Oh yeah. And again, you this is, again with like early Doctor Who or any Doctor Who really, you you need your part of the part of the cost of watching this is you need an imagination. Mm. If you've got no imagination, then by golly, don't watch Blake Seven, no, isn't it? No, no, no. You're no, not going to get anything no. out of it. Effects budget, I think I know where it went. I think the effects budget for this story was on the explosions on the Liberator because they're bloody yeah, good. They're, they're they they, good. they, they actually were really... setting them off on the three-foot model, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. Um, and also, there's a lot of explosions on the flight deck. Which Ooh, well, I was going to say about that yeah. in a second. Yeah. So but... it, that's where the money went on. Yeah. They, went and bought they are terrific. I mean, this is like, yeah. you know, almost like Derek Medding's Jerry Anderson yeah. effects as they, as they blow. They're almost Space 1999 effects because it's, it's been done on high-speed film and then slowed yeah. down. So you get this lovely sparkly effect as the explosions go. Did you notice in one shot there's a bit hanging off the Liberator? Did you notice that? I didn't, know. It's a rear shot of the Liberator, and one of the explosions goes on the right-hand side of the rear globe. There is something hanging off a straight uh-huh. piece, and I think it's one of those bands. You know, they the the the, the bands that are on the green globe, the white yeah. bands. I think one of them has pinged off. Blown them off. Yeah, 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 and it's actually blown off one of those things. Yeah, yeah. See, so they did damage the Liberator. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. Um, the explosions on the bridge. I love the way you know they are. They are hefty old explosions, and after the first one, where you've clearly got you know Gareth John Thomas jumping because he wasn't expecting to go off. After yeah. that, every time the explosion happens, there's nobody on the bridge, I guess for health yeah. and safety effects, and then you'll have Jenna running or Blake running after the explosion has happened. Yeah, I mean, there's one, there's one shot of Jenna rushing to the control panel, and I didn't. I thought at first the DVD had a glitch on it, and it played the same bit twice, but they rewound it, so it's even a pressing on the Dutch DVD. So she she's running and goes to the control panel to to do something on it and it's the same shot happens it cuts to an exterior shot and then it cuts back to her oh, going to the console that. again yeah might might just be the dutch it might be your dutch dvd, DVD. Yeah. yes you've got special edition it might be worth something yeah, yeah. <laughs> well the liberator flies right through the attack pattern which uh, <laughs> uh, avon says was too complex i don't get this uh, it's too yeah. complicated therefore they fl- flew through it yeah, they they won by stupidity um, or luck. This is yeah, this this is classic um, that they the, the the bad guys have planned too much, isn't it? And they, it's like they couldn't the liberator turned too quickly and they couldn't slow down. It's mm. like oh, this doesn't this is not a, uh, you could have worked out a better way, you know. <laughs> the the space commander old, old Perkins there, he's gutted. Yeah. Um, but I do like this. I, I, I remember this at all. But when he's talking to the mutoids there, you get some really nice, clear shots of the control panels for the pursuit ships. Yeah. And yeah, it's and just a load of lit buttons. But they, they, yeah. it's done really well. 
It is, but there's there's one point where one of the mutoids presses a button on it and the whole back panel is loose and it sort of moves down by about a centimeter mm. which it might have happened in a battle you know. it, yeah it, yeah battle damage yeah 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 and we said earlier this is where we find out that avon's detector shield has indeed broken yeah. used up half our energy reserves reading is 45 percent of capacity it's the biggest attack they've mounted on us yet we need time to recharge the banks and ourselves. Zen, are we clear of pursuit ships? Affirmative. Liberator is now out of detector range. You said that last time. Avon, when are you going to repair that detector shield? Whenever we stumble across the parts I need. Maybe we should give priority to getting them. Yes, maybe we should. Looks as though the Federation have developed a shield themselves. Yes, well, they got very, very close before we saw them. Well, that is the most depressing aspect of the whole affair. I was rather hoping to sell them the idea. Because we've wondered before, haven't we, when it yeah. breaks. Yes. You, you yeah. thought it might break at Star 1. Yeah. But yeah, so it breaks earlier. Or, and, uh, or Zen repairs the Liberator to get rid of it. Yeah, yeah you're cleansing. Yes. yes, yes. But also, we also find out that the Federation have got one now as well. And Avon says that he was planning on selling it. Yeah, to sell it to him. Now, presumably, this would be after either Avon left the Liberator, or after Blake left the Liberator, but if you're still on the Liberator, you're if you're still on the Liberator, you would sell that to the Fed, to the Federation, your enemy, who would have an advantage over you, so presumably it would be after he left the Liberator and, you know, waved bye-bye to Blake and co, and then went straight to the Federation and showed them, sold them the t- yeah. technology to make them catch Blake that much easier that's nice, isn't well, it? Well, I, I, could, I could see Avon putting that as like a little stipulation in don't come after me i'll give you blake i could see him doing that but the other thing i could see uh, avon doing is selling the technology to the federation but leaving a little back door so he could detect them ah uh. you know he's he's i mean he's he's not that stupid um interesting that um i've, I've been rereading or the annual stories uh, from the Blake Seven Annuals uh, for various reasons, and um, Avon in in certainly the first annual is the Avon from this show almost. So in every story he argues with Blake, he hates Blake, and he's doing something to make a lot of money. And it's like, it, and I thought, oh, this is this is not very this is not very well written for these annuals. And then you watch episodes like this and you think, you know, what? Uh. I can see where they got this from. Um, but it, it makes no sense at this point. I mean, in season one, I think it would have made sense. But, but at this point, we know, and Avon knows, that there's no way he could buy off the Federation. No. But we do know he's looking for a bolt yeah. hole because, you know, in yeah. a story we haven't covered yet, which is Breakdown, you know, he was actually yeah, looking for yeah. that research base as a possible place to uh, end up working in. Yeah, well, he, he he knows that in this universe, no one's going to recognise him because no one's taken a photo of him. Mm, true. So all he's all he's got to do is either put on a cute eye patch or put on a hat, and he's he's well away, isn't he? He's no one's going to ever see him. Very true. Change change his name to Avin. Avin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one will know. No one will put it together. <laughs> All right, well, unfortunately, we've got to fast-forward through Travis. Sorry about this, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll be returning uh, later on. But we're fast-forwarding to Space Command, and 
something I'd forgotten about as well. When you see Space Command and, and it's turning there, you get a nice clear shot of its name on the side, which is FedStat 2. Yeah. In the Eurostyle font. Yeah, is that Federation Station 2? I, I, I suppose so. Do you think yeah. it was meant to say Federation Station, but they didn't have enough Letrostat? Yeah, it could be. They got bored or it went wrong. Or it wouldn't fit on, on, yeah. on, on the curve without it going off. Or, something. or it was made for something completely different in the show, and it was never meant to be Federation <laughs> headquarters. It's hard to know, isn't it? It is this flying donut. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, yeah. Inside, Serverland's not happy with that. Perkins is, is she? What do you mean your force lost him? Your orders were to destroy Blake. We got close, Supreme Commander, but the Liberator stood the attack. Did you damage her? We must have. Where is she now? I don't know. I put all patrol units in Sector 4 on full alert. Commander, I'm not interested in your excuses. You will surrender your ship and place yourself under close arrest. But Supreme Commander, I must protest. Mutoid! We did very well to get close to the Liberator. It could have worked. She's not, she's not a very forgiving boss, is she, really? Uh, no, no. And she tells the, uh, old Perkins there to put himself under arrest. Yeah. And when he objects, he gets a Mutoid's gun barrel to the neck, doesn't he? Yeah, which uh, he's he's done quite well for that. I mean, he he got he's got as close as Travis ever got. Yeah, it almost worked. Turned on Travis as well. Yeah, yeah, it almost worked. Like she says to Joban in a minute, yeah. it almost worked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, here she is. I don't know. Uh, no, this isn't the first time we've ever seen this office. I mean, the first time we ever seen no, no. Travis in season one, she's in this office. He's in this on, office, on, yeah. On this Fed stat too, yeah. But I do like the 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 Spartan of it. I like the bare white walls with those triangle shaped things on them. Um Yeah, this this is this is what I think of when I think of the Federation. It's not dirty, it's not lived in, it's very Moonbase Alpha style. Mm, yes. You know, and I think I like this. I I think it would be a mistake for them to 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 go down the grubby lived in universe look it, for... it wouldn't suit serverland no. at this point no. either because you know she's she's usually dressed in white all the time isn't she yeah so, yeah yeah she she the the room matches her doesn't it yeah very sterile very yeah very uh sort of there's, there's no personality there no no well she gets a coded message uh that still needs decoding which we find later on it is from avon um but she's also yeah. told that councillor joban is there to see her, and he's just about to come in. Um, it's unusual for this show that uh, the audio clip that's coming up now is the character's entire appearance. Yeah. <laughs> um, as I say, yeah. I, th- this could be the shortest appearance of any character in 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 the whole of the show. But uh, I'm going to play the clip now. Okay. It, I, I didn't feel like cutting it up because he's only in it for like <laughs> two and a half a minutes. Up, there? Yeah. It's only about two and a half minutes, but it's a terrific two and a half minutes. So uh, let's go and have that, okay? Councillor Jobat. Supreme Commander. An honour, Councillor. Thank you. Aren't you going to offer me a drink? Yes, of course. Not joining me. I prefer to keep a clear head. Very wise. Personally, I like the edges a little blurred. I wish I could believe that. Softened, then. 
I find that even less likely. It failed, then. I knew you were well informed, but... All that logistical output. And it failed. It almost succeeded. <sighs> almost succeeded is not really good enough, is it? Did I suggest that it was? Some members of the council are concerned that many of our citizens now know of Blake's activities. And those are the renegade Travis. But there have been no public space casts on either Travis or Blake. People talk, Serverland. There's no way of stopping them. This is a major breach of security. The punishment is total. Who are these people who have been talking? I want their names, Councillor. All sorts of citizens from Alphas to Labour grades know of Blake's defiance of the Federation. They talk of him as a sort of hero, many of them. What rubbish. These men impede progress. And more importantly, order. Order, Servalan. It is all that matters. I do not need you to remind me of that, Councillor. I supported your appointment. Perhaps I was wrong. Perhaps you were. There's a first time for everything, Joban. I've always admired your willingness to take risks. Calculated risks. I add up to a dangerous enemy. Mm -hmm. So do I, Councillor. The Council ask, where is Blake's head? And we've no answer. You should have it. The answer or his head? Both. Good. I would not like to think I might have been wrong in my choice. Can I offer you another... Thank you. No. I must try to emulate your clarity of thoughts. I value our friendship. Goodbye, Supreme Commander. Goodbye, Councillor Joban. Okay, well, she looks worried um, before he comes in, but then as soon as he comes in, she's all smiles, isn't she? Yeah, she's the that that really nice uh, Servalan of old, where she's very fakely gracious. Yes, like you say, all smiles, all teeth. Yeah, all and pleasances. She, Would you and, like a drink? Yeah, yeah. She says it's an honour that he's yeah. there, and he doesn't disagree or anything. <laughs> again, this is this is. This is my idea of how of what the Blake Seven universe should be, the, the political side. I love this. I mm. love the fact that he's not frightened of Servalan. No, she's not the pantomime villain that she later becomes. He he knows at this point he's got the upper hand. She may be uh, able to have him killed outright, but he's got the political power. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's not scared. He he's so sure of himself. He knows he, it. And yeah. he knows that she knows that yes. he knows it. Yeah. yeah. So he goes through he goes through the the bare minimum of responding to her pleasantries. Yeah. But feels he doesn't have to. Whereas she's she's yeah she's definitely she knows that this man could have her out of that job. Yeah. With yeah. just a word in the right ear. But it, I it, love that. It's That's... all so pleasant, you know. But it's it yeah. is it's through gritted teeth, and you don't buy it for one second that they actually meet. They're not sincere either of them, you know. No, it, not it, at all. It, it's all a facade. Can I just do a little aside here because um, I, I I have personal experience of this. Okay, I used to work with a manager who was rubbish. She was terrible, but she was she had that arrogance, you know, and I hated her. She hated me and we both knew it. But because we were doing a job 
we had to get on, right? And it yeah. was just like this. When it, I would avoid her like the plague, but because she was the general manager and I was the chief projectionist, there were times when I had to speak to her. And every time I watch this scene, it's like, yep, that's me and her, because yep. this was what we were like. And I'll tell you what, I... Um, one of my team left because he couldn't stand working with her anymore, okay? And so we had to, you know, advertise for a, uh, a replacement projectionist. And this guy came along and he got the job. And he became a very great friend of mine. And it wasn't until years later that he said to me, when I came along for the interview, I thought there was something really weird going on there because there were you and her and you kept smiling at each other. And I'm thinking to myself... This is all a bit odd. You know? yeah. And he was picking up on this, you know, just chilly camaraderie, yeah. if you like, you know. Well, it's 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 almost a classic British thing, isn't it? Is where we're, we are very, we are all just Ned Flanders in, mm. you know, <laughs> that we will we, we we will just serve you the last beer when we want you to leave mm. because we're polite hosts. But, yeah, it's. um it's it's really nicely played and so realistic it reminded me a lot of and and the the best of the blake seven political scenes do remind me of this and it's the reason i love the 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 book is um june mm-hmm. so there's a lot of political stuff in june where where people that outside of talking to each other would be trying to kill each other but there there's that sort of expected civility where you you talk to each other and it's all very veiled threats and i love that and i love this scene and um kevin stoney is just no one plays a better he's snake-like isn't he you you're you're waiting for him to pounce it during it's a very short scene but he's just so good and you're waiting for it's like he's got those hooded eyes it's just he's so good in this you you say snake-like, I've got shark-like. It's yeah. like a shark eyeing up his prey, yeah. you know? I mean, this is typical Kevin Stoney. He was brilliant yeah. at this role, you know? He's, yeah. This... He, he's oily and lethal at the same yeah. time, isn't he, you know? Yeah, he's yeah he's oily, he's, ooh, he's smarmy. He's got that but... smirk on his face. And yeah. I'll tell you what, he has that smirk on his face, but he closes his eyes almost completely shut. I mean, I think in the Space 1999 episode he was in, I could never tell, is he blind or not? Because he never actually opened his yeah. eyes. You well, never saw his pupils. Yeah. Well, he had a, I mean, the actor had a, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what the political ter- right, correct term now is, but as kids we used to call it, a lazy eye. Mm. Um, he's got He's got a lazy eye, hasn't he, where one eye doesn't open fully anyway, mm. which gives him that that brilliant sort of or he's almost even when he's got a passive face he's sneering yeah it's, it's really good he's got he's got a face for a villain but yeah you're right he does that he his eyes narrow mm. uh and with just that one look he can convey you know emotions that other actors just he, he never once raises his voice nope. in this nope. but but it's the equivalent as if he had come in and just screamed at oh, he's Silverland that she's doing a crap job, yeah. He is totally and utterly threatening, isn't he? You know. Oh, to- totally. There's no... Because you're, you're aware that Silverland is, is the villain and you're aware that she, you know, she causes people to be killed, she kills people herself. Um, but this guy's got the upper hand in being evil. Mm. If you were in that room... 
you would turn your back on Serverland so you could watch this guy, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he has got that smile on his face when he says, uh, are you going to offer me a drink? And so she pours him some of that spirit level stuff, doesn't she? And um, Yes. And I like how when he's focused on having his drink, Jacqueline Pierce, she lets her smile drop momentarily. Yeah. It just goes. Yeah. And you, you can just see from that look on her face, she's like, she, she's concerned. Yeah. I mean, we, I don't think we've mentioned, we've not really discussed Servalan a lot, have we, um, in these things? Because she's not really appeared in a lot of the no. stories. But Jacqueline Pierce is just wonderful as Servalan. Mm. She is such a good actress. Um, it's, which is interesting because when you see her in interviews, she comes across as completely balmy. And the one time I ever met her, she, she came across as completely balmy. I, I was not disappointed. I, I've only met yeah. her the once and she was yeah. everything I wanted her to be. It's yeah. fr- from watching her on Swap Shop and things like that, you know, uh, you get a mental image that she's a quite yeah. an eccentric character. And uh, boy, was she. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But as Servalan, there's, there, there's a reason that. That, I mean, at the time, Serverland was huge. There was there was a lot of sort of because she started just. I mean, Th- Thatcher had been leader of the Conservative Party, but hadn't been prime minister. So when Thatcher came in as prime minister, seventy nine, there was a lot of concurrent sort of Serverland and Thatcher were the same. So in, in the mm-hmm. papers would do the same thing. And Jacqueline Pierce at the time, her haircut was front page news yes. now you look at it and think that's, it's not short at all it's like when you see deckard in blade runner isn't it you go that's not short at all yeah now. that was called a punk um, haircut wasn't yeah. it when, and it's yeah. like no it's not that's not a punk haircut no it's a short back and sides <laughs> yeah in fact in <laughs> in schools now that would be considered a bit hippie-ish yes <laughs> so get your haircut it's a bit long mm. shave it like everyone else but yeah so there's a reason that she sort of became the almost the breakout character that took on a life of its own with the sort of the, the, the non fans, the, the thing. And it's because she's superb. Mm. And the same with Paul Darrow as Avon, certainly for the first three seasons, he's absolutely superb. He's pinpoint accurate with the way he's playing this. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's, she's just one of This is a lovely, I mean, although it's, it's don't you say it's probably uh, the shortest scene we'll ever cover. But it, it contains some of the best acting between two professional, really good actors. It's yeah. like a masterclass, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well written. I again, I is this a bit of a a, a Chris it Boucher? Be, it could be a Chris Boucher thing. Yeah. But I was just thinking then. I mean, you know, we we're saying you know you've got these two actors, you know, the superb masterclass in Federation villainy. Compare this to you know the Federation bad guys we were talking about in Traitor from season oh, four, and there is no comparison, is there? Yeah. There's just none whatsoever. It's it's like comparing a real life person with a a tracing paper crayon picture of a villain isn't it it's like your no. local yeah it's like your local theater one week has on yeah. a shakespeare play the following week it has pantomime you know that's yes. the difference between the two yeah it's it it's completely different classes and it's not to say that the you know um like christopher neiman that they're not bad actors per se but at this point in the show, these scenes are being treated totally realistically. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
Yeah, it's not um, space opera well, later. at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's this this could have been two the 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 CEO of a company and someone on the board discussing in a a contemporary yes um you know sort of thriller yeah this isn't there's, a, this isn't a science fiction scene i mean you you're, you're right. absolutely right you could you could put this into a a contemporary drama you could put it into a world war 2 drama where somebody is stirring up you know yep. uh political you know trouble it it's not yeah. science fictiony at all is it and I, I think Blake Seven is at his best when it's not science fictiony, hmm. which is a strange thing to say because it's a science fiction show. But when it veers into space opera, it it's always terrible. It's always, you know, we've we've said so many times disparagingly that it it's almost like we can't do Star Wars style space opera. Hmm. We we should be doing Yes Minister in space. And when you you look at like early Red Dwarf, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. The the fact that it's in space is totally immaterial to the the what's happening. You know the 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 the, the human element. Mm. And it's only when sort of season three four when it suddenly goes from a comedy set in space to a space comedy that it to me it just loses it and it's mm. like oh oh dear. Uh, yeah. I I don't think we're great at it. I and I wonder if it's just our character because we're we, we we've said before we like a dystopian future don't we we like but, but hope yeah. that's for other people yeah but you say the word character and that is the appeal of the first two seasons yeah. you, you were focusing yes. on the characters rather than the settings yeah i know we've we've i mean we've done uh an effectively speaking on the liberator and we'll wax you know we'll wax lyrical about the liberator model work and uh, for anyone that wants to buy us a pint and sits down and listen to us we'll <laughs> talk to you for hours about that but you're right the the appeal for this is the fact that it's character driven and i think that's why season four disappoints so much is that it's not character driven no it's well you don't recognize the characters anymore no, anyway they're not the same no no all right, well, it turns out that Joban, he's got spies in Space Command because he already knows of the failed attack on Blake. And, yeah, and yeah he says, uh, almost succeeding isn't good enough with that smirk on his face. Yeah. And he says that the council is concerned that the citizens are starting to hear of uh, Blake's exploits and yeah, those of Blake's a renegade a hero, Travis. Because, of course, this takes place after trial, doesn't it? Uh, Travis yes. is now on the run. And uh, despite uh, there being no, no, nothing broadcast on space casts, we yeah. Have... So there's a televisual equivalent, isn't there? No. They must yeah. have some sort of yeah, yeah. And we it's been a while since we've had space, um, yeah, a space something. But uh, here we go, space casts. It's like a podcast, but in a vacuum. In a vacuum, yeah, yeah. Oh dear, it's like the Terry Nation has come back all of a sudden. Yeah. Can you, I... Can you imagine though that like the um the citizens we have seen sitting down of a night to watch the local news and it's like uh, in other news tonight Travis has once the again, renegade yeah <laughs> Travis the renegade yeah exactly yeah. what 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 are they saying about Travis there there must be yeah. some time between trial and this one because I think I liked, Killer yeah. is the episode before this I think I think Killer yeah. was just before this so um yeah. Yeah. Well, I think season two is the season that you can put the most fan fiction slotted into, oh, can't you? Because, because it's definitely a spread out 
it's not unlike season one where a lot of the episodes were like bang 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 one after the other and there's no room printing this is this is the one where if you wanted to do a story about travis going off and having adventures you could slot this in and i i think that's that w- there's lots of things we're not seeing isn't there because uh, what we've seen of travis so far like say from trial that wouldn't make it to the local news would it no i don't think no wouldn't make it to the space news um so what else is he what, doing so, yeah yeah in local news today travis punched a slightly overweight guard and knocked him down it's not going to be new. So he must be doing other stuff. Well, presumably uh, part of it. I mean, the last time we saw Travis, yeah, yeah he, he was given a pursuit ship by Servalan, which I'm guessing is something Joban doesn't know about with two mutoids. Yeah. The next time we see him, which is in this story, he's ditched the mutoids and he's got crimos with him, hasn't he? So there must be a yeah. whole crimo want... story somewhere. Yeah. Which is good. Cause I, although they're, they're, they're pathetically named, the idea of the crimmers is quite good, mm. and the, the 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 sort of the scar-faced one we see is he's really good. I, well, um, I was thinking so, about us doing an yeah. episode on him because he is so. Yeah, good. he's he is he's such a good, well acted. I mean, we, when we were watching it, Anne was sort of saying, "Yeah, you, is this guy appearing anymore?" And it's like, no. Um, Doesn't he get he, blown up? He does. Yeah, he, yeah. he gets. Uh, he, he they use the same shot as when uh, Varga. Uh, Brian Blessed explodes, don't they? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I've got that to look forward to. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. But yeah, he's the the. I, I wonder if this was originally written with mutoids instead of crimos, and they were going to go with the. You know, pra- perhaps they didn't have enough costumes. Yeah. Yeah, it could be something as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Serverland wants to know who's talking, and, and here we get another reference to the grade system of the Federation. Yeah. Joban talks about alpha before. grades down to the labour grades, so I guess yeah. that's your that's your sweep there. Yes, that's so. Because perhaps I mean when we did the Earth one, we didn't mention the grades or anything. Perhaps we should have covered that as to what the grade, mm. you know, because you got alpha grade, presumably beta. Yeah, but where does that stop? American, Do you beta. Know the, yeah. Well, presumably, if you if you go all the way to where you've got like Zeta class grades, God knows they're they're the equivalent of the chuds, I suppose. They're living in the sewers. But then then they'd say worker grades as if that's a, a step below the grades. As if system. that's the lowest, the lowest yeah. of the low is the working class. Yeah, but they're the people keeping Serverland's office pure white. She yeah. wants to be better to them. Do you think it is something as as blatant as that? It's it's the it's the English seventies, you know, uh, yep. uh, you know, uh, the class system. You yeah, know, we're we're riddled with class guilt as a nation, and no matter. I mean, there was a big thing, wasn't? It? I mean, we've had political parties where their whole thing is the classless society. Remember, John Major, yeah. we're going to make a classless society. I don't think he quite meant classless in the way that it's become in that we've lost all class but <laughs> yeah we're still absolutely riddled with it and you can you can see it in your everyday and i i often wonder what other countries must make of it mm. but, but we're we're definitely with your your class is is still so important and it is still here. It yeah. hasn't gone away. That it's, sketch, oh, no, that sketch with John Cleese and Ronnie Barker and Ronnie yeah. Corbett and I Know My Place, um, that yeah. is still uh, relevant today, isn't it? Well, even in um, this will this will date the podcast if someone's listening to this uh, a few years time. Even like the um, 
Meghan Markle joining the royal family, marrying into it. And that's front page news. And her mm. dad is, he hasn't got class, has he? Oh, because he's not towing the line. And everything is <laughs> class. But there's that expectation that if you're, if you're uh, an upper class, if you're an A grade, you're, you somehow a better person than yeah. if you're a lower class. And if you're middle class, you're yeah. not as good as them, but you're still better than them. Better, you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, the the classic um, Dad's Army, Captain Manorin, where someone calls him middle class. The Russian guy calls him <laughs> middle class. And he's like... Bruh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> and it's, it's beautifully played. And I mean, Dad's Army is a whole sitcom based on the class difference between Wilson and Manorin. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, we're... The, yeah, this is, this is the same. This society is so mired in class. It's nice to know we never get to that classless society. <laughs> even even in the second calendar it, no where... it doesn't go away it doesn't yeah. go away um but joban he says the order is all that matters and blake is slowing that order and yeah. and then we, we we start getting the uh the veiled threats because he starts off by saying that he supported her appointment and now he's yeah. thinking maybe he was wrong to yeah so which in in that that throws up so much sort of background in just in just a couple of lines such good writing yeah he supported her wasn't it? so so from the very beginning she's we are now thinking so she's in has she got here by her own merit mm. you know because we we just assume that serverland is worked her way up with vindictive backstabbing but yes. has she because she's she obviously had sponsors and people that wanted her there that, as yeah. a controllable puppet yes you know, so yeah, it's again superb writing. It's just a couple of lines in it. That's all you need mm. to to have people still talking about it in forty years. Mm. No, no, it is superb, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, as I say, the veil comes down a bit because he throws that at her, and then yeah. uh, basically they both warn each other, don't they, through the smiles, yeah. not to cross them. You know, I, I'd make a formidable enemy type of thing. Yeah, these are these are two dogs circling each other, aren't oh, they? Yes. And they both finish with a, yeah. to, you know, and slowly back away. I lo- I love Kevin's um, line coming up here now about you know the council ask where is Blake's head and there is no yeah. answer. Great writing. Yeah, really good. In fact, the only thing that would have made this scene better is right at the end if he'd have uh, called for Packer. <laughs> <laughs> There's one for the Who fans, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and Serverland says that they'll have both. Uh, they'll have yes. both the, uh, the the head and not, the answer. She know. I mean, you can again with the really nice plan. You know that she is no longer certain of that. No. And she knows. He knows that she knows. Yes. That she's no longer certain of that. It's all very clever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and this is where the meeting ends. And again, you know, you, you've got this fake, you know, charm because the way he says goodbye, Supreme Commander. Yeah. And she goes yeah. goodbye, Counselor Joban. You know, this emphasis on their position again, you know, yeah. and it's like, well, yeah, don't again, get used to this position. You might not yeah. have it for much longer. Well, again, it's it's... There's so many levels, isn't it? It's fixing the the your place in the system. Mm. Counselor at this point is above because they're they're civilian, and this is no, at the moment it's not a military society. Mm. Um, so and then she, yeah, the the threat of of uh, calling her um, 
Supreme Commander as a job title rather than her name. Mm. It's it's really really nicely done. And again, there's certain people, and and you know, uh, Joe Ban is one of those people that even if they're calling you sir, can make it sound like shithead, can't they? Yeah. It's, <laughs> Perfectly it's, put, it's a talent i put. wish i had yeah i <laughs> i wish i had that talent and and yeah they they it's it's really really well done yeah you know it is but that's it away he goes now later on in yeah. this story you know he does try calling her i don't know what he was going to say where are you going what are you doing presumably yeah. um and i do i do wonder what do you think happened to him do you think he was bumped off immediately that she became president? That's right, right, I'll get rid of him now. Yeah, I think as soon as she was secure enough to get rid of these people, she would have done because mm. they, they're they a threat, they're mm. a danger. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think his chances were I don't high. Think anyone's. It's like when Stalin him. came to power, the first thing he did yeah. was get rid of not only his enemies but anybody that might be a, an usurper or a threat to him. Yep. You know, she did the yeah. same thing, didn't get, she? Yeah, get, get rid of anyone that... that might have the intelligence to be a threat. Of course, doesn't really work because it leaves your army full of twats, doesn't it? Well, that's exactly what happened in in the war, wasn't it? You get rid of all your generals, kill them all off, then you go into war, nobody's got any experience. All these people that had all the experience from the First World War, gone. Gone, yeah. (laughs) That was a clever move, wasn't it? Yeah, he didn't think that one through old Stalin, did he? Oh, dear idea. Um, But yeah, I I don't think... I'd love to know the. Again, we 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 said this before that we're with. Uh, sorry, I'm being headbutted by my cat. Hello, cat. Um, I'd I'd love to know the the behind the scenes of this story because it feels like because Kevin Stoney would have been quite an expensive guest star. I'm thinking mm. he you know he 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 wasn't short of work, and it feels like he should have appeared again in the episode. So I'm was did something happen behind the scenes that meant they had to, you know, flesh this out with people rolling about in quarries. Well, you wouldn't have thought so, because we've said maybe the beginning was padding. So if it did underrun, then then presumably there wouldn't have been another scene with him at the end or something. But but was there and and the actor was ill or couldn't make it? It just feels... This whole episode feels weirdly plotted and paced. It could be an illness thing, because the next thing that he ever did after this was Blake 7 again, because, of course, he comes back, doesn't he? Um but uh, no, no, um, that, that, that's it the feel, end of him. Yeah, yeah, it feels like he should come back. I mean, wouldn't it have been great if he had been a recurring thorn in yeah. uh, Serverland's side? I wish, I, 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 I hope they'd never remake Blake 7, but I sometimes wish that when they made it, we would have had a few of the, the, the television uh, sort of ways of doing things that we have now then, so you would have had recurring characters yes. rather than different people every week and wouldn't it have been great to have him constantly be that yeah. that leash around serverland's neck well, and that that pushed her to because she you know so she could see the only way to to get rid of that would be to take total power yeah because i i always wonder why serverland wanted to be running things because she she doesn't seem very happy doing it. No, no. But she doesn't seem to get much out of it. No. What other than s- a nice white off. <laughs> and some nice frocks. Um, no. W- yeah, what you true. said there. I mean, we did. We did have a, a, a federation person like that. Somebody we we're going to be discussing in a, in a few episodes time, which is Rontaine. 
Um, yeah, but yeah, of course he got killed in trial, didn't he? He, he, he was yeah. um, on on the uh, satellite when um, the Liberator attacked. Yeah, the ceiling fell on his head, didn't it? Yes, <laughs> yes. But uh, no, that's it. That that that's him gone. Uh, Joe Van's mm-hmm. gone. So um, behind the scenes, we were just talking there about World War Two. Do you know about Kevin Stoney in World War Two? Uh, I don't know. I probably read it, but forgotten about it instantly well, with my memory. Um, it says here that he was in the RAF, okay, yep. and he trained as a pilot and went off to the Middle East, but he crashed so many planes, okay, that he had to be reclassified as a navigator. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah, I love that fact. That's the only yeah. fact I've got on him. And, oh. yeah, he was so crap a pilot, they actually reclassified him as a navigator because he was really? proving to be too expensive. Yeah. I like that. That's that's good. What if it's something to do with his eyesight? Oh, that's what I was just about to say. But so, if, if there's something eyes. wrong with his eye, wouldn't that have been picked up in the medical? Uh, I suppose it depends when, because by the sort of by the tail end of the war, we weren't our 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 choosiness had gone down a bit, hadn't it? Yeah. Or or he got his eye problem through crashing one yeah. of the planes. Could be. Could be. Oil squirted in or something like Could that. Could be a war wound. I want to go out. I want to go out and find a biography of uh, Kevin Stoney now. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a look as well. Yeah. That's something we didn't mention. Is he has got a war wound in this? Joe Ban's got a scar, hasn't he, above his yes. right eye? Yeah. You know, like a V shape. Yes. Um. But yeah, no. Ke- Kevin Stoney, it, s- certainly known uh, for for TV villainy. You know, he was in so many TV yeah. shows, it's untrue. Um, on the IMDb, he actually has got 188 credits to his wow. name, which is kind of high. He didn't do an awful lot in the way of film. He was mainly a TV person, wasn't he? And, yeah, invariably a villain. He would never be the romantic lead, would he, Kevin Stoney? No. Well, a lot of um, a lot of actors that did predominantly TV work, of course, because the turnaround time was much quicker. So you... you you know, if you if you were a TV actor, like especially a character actor where you'd come on, do your little scene and then, you know, you weren't starring in things. You could uh, you could make a pretty good living by constantly, you know, you'd every week doing something different. If you're signed up to a film that could be, you know, two, three months doing yeah. one little role. So, yeah, I can see why a lot of uh, a lot of actors decided that TV was the way to go. Also, the fact we didn't really have much of a film industry not then so no yeah unless you break into the states um what you know what, what are you going to be doing you're going to be playing the uh the the guest inspector on on the buses or something yeah. you know i can't see kevin stoney in on the buses no oh, no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh no all right okay so if we go on to the tally he's got a quite a high uh genre tally he's got a genre tally of 18 Wow. Which, which puts him definitely up there, I think, in the top five. Uh, we thought he would do good, though, didn't yes, we? Yes, we, we did. We did, good. yeah. And, and some classics are in here. Uh, the first thing he did was in 1960, uh, The Shadow of the Cat, uh, a film alongside Barbara Shelley, uh, oh. who we're going to be featuring in a couple of episodes' yeah. time. So, uh, Dr. There's Plaxton, yeah. Dr. Plaxton, yes, yeah. Next, one we know very well, Doctor Who, The Daleks' Master Plan, where he played... Yeah. He played Mavic Chen, guardian in, of the solar system. In questionable makeup now. Yes, yeah, it's, yeah. Do, that's, that's do you a, think that's, that's what a, did his a, eye in? Yeah, that, well, that's a, a, a subject in Doctor Who 
fandom, isn't it? Is that was he was he blacked up? Because it's not really mentioned in the scripts that you know he he comes from anywhere specific. And but there's yeah, no colour good. photos, are there behind the no, scenes? So he could he could be green. We don't know. But yeah, he's definitely um, he's got a bit of a tan, hasn't yes, he? On yes. the on the footage that remains. Oh, Mavic, Mavic. Um, <laughs> he was next in the Avengers. Uh, then he was in the Prisoner. Then he was in the Blood Beast Terror. And, oh yes, yeah. Watched that the other night. And there's there's three shows that I remember him from. One is Blake Seven. Okay. The next appearance is here in Doctor Who in the Invasion, where he played Tobias Vaughan. Yeah. Um, brilliant in that. <laughs> yeah, very much like that could be Joban. You know, they could be brothers, yeah. couldn't they? It's the the Vaughan and Packer show. Yes. The the side the side men are like pointless in it. Let's just have Tobias Vaughan back. Uh, and Packer. <laughs> and Packer. Yeah, I love Packer. He's brilliant. Uh, all right. Next one is a show we keep on mentioning, Out of the Unknown. Um, Which we we really need to get around to watching, I say. Yes. Yeah. Um, then we've got uh, Doom Watch. Yeah, used uh, to like Doom Watch. Yeah, good. then Ace of Wands. Do you remember Ace of Wands? Uh, I I've heard of it. I don't remember ever seeing I it. I don't think you would like it. Uh, yeah, it was a mid seventies ITV um, thing with this guy called Taro who who could read minds and stuff. weren't that much. Yeah. Uh, next, he was in the Tomorrow People. Everyone was at one point. Can't yes. hold that against him. Well, there's nothing else, was there? You know. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Doctor Who again, Revenge of the Cybermen. Where he was yes. uh, Tyram under That's more right, yeah, makeup. Uh, totally un, yeah, totally unrecognisable. Yes, no. you would know it's him. Yeah, the next one is the third one that I always remember him. Space nineteen ninety nine in the Last Enemy, yeah. where he played Talos, not made yeah, of bronze. He's very good. But again, no. that could be Joe Ban again. Um, yeah, you never saw his pupils in that. He was he was so slouched in that chair, yeah, uh, with his eyes barely open. Yeah. Uh, after that, it's the New Avengers. Um, and then the legend of King Arthur. Okay. Mm, um, the, now I don't remember this show at all, but, uh, it, 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 uh, starred somebody who we'll be talking about, um, in a minute, uh, for next week's show, but we'll, we'll save that for the end. Okay. Quite a mass, the John M- M- Mills version. John Mills. Yeah. Yeah. He was the prime minister in that. Then he was in the hammer house of horror. Uh, then Joban here, and then Ardus in Blake 7 in Animals. Now, what is the point of bringing back Kevin Stoney to Blake 7? Why couldn't he have been Joban? Because Ardus is blind, isn't he, in Animals, I remember, yeah. and he recognises Serverland's voice. Yeah, which would have been perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah. And yeah. I know... I know the average viewer would not have remembered Joe Ban, so why not use it? Mm. There's only positives out of using him as the same character. Unless Joe Ban is just so intelligent and so, you know, on the ball, yeah. there's no way he would have got past her first line without saying, Yeah, you're serving. Yeah. Or hearing about Sleer's activities, thinks, yeah. hmm, this dark, short haired woman who is rising through the ranks, assuming all this power, yeah. I think I know who that is. Yeah. Perhaps, perhaps yeah, that that we just have to assume that anyone that did know Silverland was killed and got rid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's the genre tally of 18. That gives him a who tally of three. 
okay and an Anderson tally no it's not very often we have an Anderson tally but for the no. space 1999 he gets an Anderson tally of one all right yeah so he's, he's done all right and he's done okay yeah he's done very well he's done very well bless him yeah all right that's that's this episode over um I was just saying there he was in the legend of King Arthur alongside the star of that show who is will be the star of next week's show um ian and i are off now to butch up we've got to butch ourselves up because next week we're going to prepare to look at that hunk of manliness jarvik aren't we oh a real man's man i think we're going to feel very inadequate after next week's episode yeah, I um I I don't think it'll be a, a long episode because there's there's not going to be much bad we can say about it, is there? <laughs> Such a well-written, rounded character like that. Yeah, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's so much so right about that one, aren't we? Oh mm. dear, yeah. dear, it, dear, it, dear. It had to be done. It had to be done, and, yeah, we, and we knew this when we were talking about the last Ben Steed, uh, yep. um, story that Jarvik would have to come along, and uh, yeah. That sounds a bit uncomfortable. Uh, it, when you're saying saying yeah, Jarvik in, come in, but um, yeah. Like, Interestingly, on um, I read something online uh, a couple of days back, and they were sort of they were trying to defend Jarvik, saying that they thought it was uh, a very clever pastiche of that style of character. So I'm what is not like, sure. No, so yeah. it's like a carry-on version. Yeah. Of that time. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So rather than being a sexist disgustingly dated character is actually a mickey take of a sexist disgustingly dated character all right well well we've got to well we've got to butch up uh over the next week and watch this episode so we'll continue this next week all right yes we've got to dig out our boiler suits with zips that don't work on the front (laughs) to show our chest and we've got to do lots of practicing of hands-on hips Yes, yeah. If you're at the bus stop or you're waiting to be served in Tesco's, you've got to put your hands on your hips and you've got to have your shirt unbuttoned, okay? Yeah, and so so you've got to stand there in Tesco's, hands on hips, saying, scan faster, woman. Woman. (laughs) Woman, you are beautiful. Now, can you scan my food, please? Yes. Yes, Mm. woman, you are beautiful. I have a 20p off voucher. (laughs) Can you redeem my car parking voucher? There's a comedy series in The Adventures of Jarvik in Everyday Life, isn't there? <laughs> that, that, that Blake's Junction 7 should have done something yeah. about that, shouldn't they? They should have had Jarvik in, yeah. yeah. Much like the, like the comic beats. strip presents, they that, they sent up the professionals like mad, didn't they? Yes, um, yeah. They, yeah, really they should have it. done that in that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right, to be continued next week then, Ian, all right? Yeah, I'm sort of, I'm half looking forward to it and half dreading it, to be fair. <laughs> My abiding memory is him, but then there are some appalling things. I mean, I, 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 I've watched the spider segment for Effectively yeah. Speaking, so we've got things to say about that and the lunar module that's in that. I know that, but everything else is a bit of a blank. I think I have blanked it. We've said this before with the poor episodes. Your brain does some sort of like survival mechanism and shuts yeah. shuts your brain down. So this is going to be uh, interesting to go back and watch it with a notepad and make notes as I go so I don't forget them. And then we've got to relive yeah. it again on audio. And so, so after we finish this uh, podcast series, the the worst episodes are going to be the ones we've watched the most because they're the ones you have to keep watching again and again to get <laughs> to all make the... more notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know when you do these, people say, "What's your what's what's the episodes you watch the most?" And you're going to be going, "Oh, it's the chaos." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay. All right. All right. Well, yeah, you get on with your studying and I shall too. So, yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> speak to you next week, Ian. All right. Nice one. Cheers, matey. See you then. Thanks, Ian. Bye. Bye. <laughs>